Section thirty nine, volume two of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cole McKinnon. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume Two, Section Thirty Nine. When it was the one hundred and second night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when Sharrakhan saw the Moslems in conquered plight, and the chamberlain upon the brink of retreat and flight, and the sword havoc dight among the righteous and workers of upright, the cause of this weakness among the Moslems was the accursed old woman, Zat al-Dawahi, the foe of the faith. After seeing that Baram and Rustam had set forward with their troops to join Sharkan and his brother, Zal al-Makan repaired to the camp of the Mohammedans before Constantinople, and caused the mission of the emir Takash, as had been before said. In this her purpose was to divide the Muslim forces the better to weaken them. Then she left them and entered Constantinople and called with a loud voice on the knights of the Greeks, saying, Let me down a cord, that I may tie thereto this letter, and do ye bear it to your king Aphrodun, that he may read it, and to my son, King Hardub, that they both do what is written therein of bidding and forbidding. So they let down for her a string, and she tied thereto a letter whose purport was the following. From the terriblest of tribulations, and the chiefest of all calamities, Zat al-Dwahi to King Aphrodun, greeting. But afterwards of a truth I have contrived a device for destroying the Muslims, so bid you quiet and content. I have cozened and captured their sultan, and the wazir Dandan, and then I returned to their camp and acquainted them therewith whereby their pride had a fall, and their withers were wrung, and I have so wrought upon the host leaguering Constantinople, that they have sent ten thousand men under the emir Takash to succour the captives, of whom there be now left but few. It is therefore my object that ye sally forth against them, with all your power, while this day endureth, and that ye fall on them in their tents, and that ye leave them not, till ye shall have slain them to the last man. For verily the Messiah looked down upon you, and the Blessed Virgin favoureth you. And I hope of the Messiah that he forget not what deed I have done. When her letter came to King Aphrodun, he rejoiced with great joyance, and sending at once for King Hardub of Greece, son of Zat al-Dwahi, read the letter to him as soon as he came, whereof he was exceedingly glad, and said, See my mother's craft? Verily it dispenses with swords, and her aspect standeth in stead of the terrors of the day of dread. Rejoined Aphrodun, May the Messiah not berave us for the venerable parent, nor deprive her of her wile and guile. Then he bade the knights give orders for sallying outside the city, and the news was noised abroad in Constantinople. So the Nazarenes and cohorts of the cross birth forth, and unsheathed their keen sabres in their numbers, shouting out their professions of impiety and heresies, and blasphemying the Lord of all creatures. When the chamberlain saw the sally, he said, Behold, the Greek is upon us, and they surely have learned that our sultan is far away, and happily they have attacked us, for that the most part of our troops have marched to the succour of King Zal al-Makan. 
Therewith he waxed wroth, and cried out, O soldiers of Al-Islam, and favours of the true faith, and ye flee and are lost, but if ye stand fast, ye win. Know ye that valiancy lieth in endurance of outrance, and that no case is so straight, but that the Almighty is able to make it straight. Allah son you, and look upon you with eyes of compassion and faith. Thereupon the Muslims cried out, Allah Akbar! And the believer in the one God shouted his slogan, and whirled the mill-wheels of fight with cutting and thrusting in main and might. Scimitars and spears played sore, and the plains and valleys were swamped with gore. The priest and monks priested it, tight-girding their girdles and uplifting the crucifixes, while the Muslims shouted out the professions of the requiting king, and verses of the Koran began to sing. The hosts of the compassion are one fought against the legion of Satan, and head flew from body of man, while the good angels hovered above the people of the chosen prophet. Nor did the sword cease to smite till the day darkened and night came on and starkened. Now the miscreants had encompassed the Muslims, and made sure of escaping the pains that awaited them, and the faithless greeted for victory over the faithful, until day dawned and dazzled. Thereupon the chamberlain mounted, he and his men, trusting thee, Allah, would help them to victory, and host was mingled with host, and battle rose afoot and took post, and heads flew from trunks whilst the brave stood in fast steed, the craven turned tail and fled, and the judge of death judged, and sentence sped, so that the champions fell from their saddles slain, and corpus cumbered meadow and plain. Then the Muslims began to give ground, and rearwards bent, and the Greek took possession of some of their tents, whereupon the Muslims were about to break and retreat and take flight, when meanwhile, behold, up came Shere Khan with the rest of the host of Al-Islam, and the standards of the believers in unity. And having come up with them, he charged the infidels and followed him Zal al-Makan, and the wazir Dandan, and the emirs Baharam and Rastam, with his brother Tarkash. When the foe saw this, they lost head, and their reason fled, and the dust-clouds towered till they covered the country, whilst the righteous believers joined their pious comrades. Then Sharkan accosted the chamberlain, and praised him for his steadfastness. And he in turn gave the prince joy of his timely succour, and his gaining the day. Thereat the Muslims were glad, and their hearts were hardened, so they rushed upon their enemies, and devoted themselves to Allah, in their fight for the faith. But when the idolaters beheld the standards of Mohammedan, and thereon the profession of faith of Islamitan, proclaiming the unity, they shrieked, Woe! and ruin! and besought succour of the patriarchs of the monasteries. Then they fell to calling upon John and Mary and the cross abhorrent, and stayed their hands from slaughter, whilst King Aphrodon went up to consult King Hardub of Greece, for the two kings stood, one at the head of each wing, right and left. Now there was with them also a famous cavalier, Loea Heis, who commanded the centre, and they drew out in battle array, but indeed they were full of alarm and affray. Meanwhile the Muslims aligned their forces, and thereupon Shere Khan came to his brother, Zaul al-Makan, and said, O king of the age, doubtless they mean to champion it, and that is also the object of our desire. 
but it is my wish to push forward the stoutest hearted of our fighters, for by forethought is one half of life wrought, replied the Sultan, as thou wilt, O companion of good counsel. It is my wish, added Shere Khan, to stand in midline opposite the infidel, with the wazir Dandan on my left, and thee on my right, whilst the emir Baram leads the dexter wing, and the emir Rustam leads the wing sinstrel. And thou, O mighty king, shalt be under the standards and the ensigns, for that thou art the pillar of our defence. Upon thee, after Allah, is our dependence, and we will all be thy ransom from aught that can harm thee. Zaul al-Makan thanked him therefore. And the slogan arose, and the sabre was drawn. But as things stood thus, behold, there came forth a cavalier from the ranks of Rome. And, as he drew near, they saw that he was mounted on a slow-paced she-mule, fleeing with her master from the shock of swords. Her housings were of white silk covered by a paper carpet of cashmere stuff, and on her back sat a sheikh, an old man of comely presence and reverend aspect, garbed in a gown of white wool. He stinted not pushing her and hurrying her on till he came near the Muslim and said, I am an ambassador to you all and an ambassador hath not to do save to deliver. So give me safe conduct, and permit of speech, that I communicate to you my message. Replied Shere Khan, Thou art in safety. Fear neither sway of sword, nor lunge of lance. Thereupon the old man dismounted, and, taking the cross from his neck, placed it before the sultan, and humbled himself with much humility. Then quoth to him the Muslims, what is with thee of news? And quoth he, I am an ambassador from King Afridun, for I counselled him to avert the destruction of all these frames of men, and temples of the compassionate one, and to him it seemed righteous to stay the shedding of blood, and limit it to the encounter of two knights in shock of fight singular. So he agreed to that, and he saith to you, Verily, I will ransom my army with my life, so let the Muslim king do as I do, and with his life ransom his host. And if he kill me, there will be no stay left in the army of Rome. And if I kill him, there will be no stability with the Muslims. When Sharkan heard this, he said, O monk, I agree to that. For it is just, nor it may be gainsaid. And behold, I will meet him in duel, and do with him daring do. For I am champion of the faithful, even as he is champion of the faithless. And if he slay me, he will have won the day, and naught will remain for the Muslims' forces save flight. So return to him, O thou monk, and say that the single combat shall take place to-morrow, for this day we have come off our journey, and we are weary. But after rest, neither reproach nor blame, fear ye. So the monk returned, and he rejoicing, to King Afridun and King Hardub, and told them both what Shere Khan had said, whereat King Afridun was glad with exceeding gladness, and fell from him anxiety and sadness, and he said to himself, No doubt, but this Shere Khan is their doughtiest swayer of the sword, and their doorest at lunge of lance, and when I shall have slain him, their hearts will be disheartened, and their strength will be shattered. Now Zat al-Dwahi had written to King Afridun of that, and had told him how Shere Khan was a knight of the braves, and the bravest of knights, and had warned him against him. 
but Aphrodun was a stalwart cavalier who fought in many a fashion. He could hurl rocks and throw spears and smite with the iron mace, and he feared not the prowess of the prow. So when he heard the report of the monk that Sharkan agreed to the duel, he was likely to fly for exceeding joy because he had self-confidence and he knew that none could withstand him. The infidels passed that night in joy and jubilee and wine-bibbing, and, as soon as it was dawn, the two armies drew out the sort of spear and the blanch of blade, and, behold, a cavalier rode single-handed into the plain, mounted on a steed of purest strain, and four foray and fray full ready and fain, and that knight had limbs of might, and he was clad in an iron cuirass made for stress of fight. On his breast he wore a jeweled mirror, and in his hand he bore a keen scimitar, and his lance of Cahalan wood, the curious work of the Frank, weighing a quintal. Then the rider uncovered his face and cried out, saying, Whoso knoweth me verily hath enough of me, and whoso knoweth me not right soon shall keen who I be. I am Aphrodun, the overwhelmed by the well-omened Shawahi Zat al-Dwahi, but he had not ended speaking ere Sher Khan, the champion of the Muslims, fared forth to meet him, mounted on a sorrel horse, worth a thousand pieces of red gold, with accoutrements purfled in pearls and precious stone, and he bore in baldric a blade of watered Indian steel that threw neck shore and made easy the hard and sore. He craved his charger between the two hosts, in line whilst the horsemen all fixed on him their eyen, and he cried out to Aphrodun, Woe to thee, O accursed! Dost thou deem me one of the horsemen thou hast overtaken, who cannot stand against thee on a battle-plain? Then each rushed upon other, and they bashed together like two mountains crashing, or two billows dashing and clashing. They advanced and retreated, and drew together and withdrew, and stinted not a fray in fight and weapon-play, and strife and stay, with stroke of sword and lunge of lance. Of the two armies looking on, some said, Shere Khan is victor, and others, Aphrodun, will conquer. And the two riders stayed not their hands from the hustle, until ceased the clamor and the bustle. And the dust-columns rose, and the day waned, and the sun waxed yellow and warm. Then cried out King Aphrodun to Shere Khan, saying, By the truth of the Messiah, and the faith which is no liar, thou art not save a doughty rider, and a stalwart fighter, but thou art fraudful, and thy nature is not that of the noble. I keen thy work is other than praiseworthy, nor is thy prowess that of a prince. For thy people behave to thee as though thou wert a slave, and see! They bring thee out a charger which is not thine, that thou mayst mount and return to the fight. But by the truth of my faith, thy fighting irketh and fatigueth me, and I am weary of cutting and thrusting with thee. And if thou propose to lay on a load with me at to-night, thou wouldst not change aught any of the harness nor thy horse, till thou approve to the cavaliers thy generous blood and skill and brunt. 
When Sharkan heard him say these words concerning his own folk behaving to him as though he were a slave, he waxed wroth and turned towards his men, meaning to sign to them and bid them not to prepare him change of harness or horse. When lo, Aphrodun shook his throw spear high in the air and cast it at Sharkan. Now when the Muslim turned his back, he found none of the men near him, and he knew this to be a trick of the accursed Invitel. So he wheeled round in haste, and behold, the javelin came at him. So he swerved from it, till his head was bent low as his saddle bow. The weapon grazed his breast, and pierced the skin of his chest, for Shere Khan was high-bosomed. Whereupon he gave one cry, and swooned away. Thereat the accursed Aphrodite was joyful, thinking he had slain him, and shouted to the infidels, bidding them rejoice. Whereat the faithless were encouraged, and the faithful wept. When Zau al-Makan saw his brother reeling and seal, so that he well nigh fell, he dispatched cavaliers towards him, and the braves hurried to his aid, and came up with him. Thereupon the infidels dove at the Muslims. The two hosts joined battle, and the two lines were mingled, whilst the keen scimitar of al-Yaman did good work. Now the first to reach Shere Khan was the Wazar Dandan. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. End of section thirty nine. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume two.